Hello and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Degeler, and today we are going to discuss some of the biggest funding rounds of the week, M&A deals, and talk a little bit more about Amazon businesses and how they work with someone who's been involved in this industry for many years. But first, the news. Norwegian learning company Kahoot has acquired Estonia-based vocabulary learning game maker Drops. The deal is worth 50 million US dollars in cash, of which 31 million is paid right away, and the release of the other 19 million will depend on the performance of Drops in the period from 2020 to 2022. We ran an interview with Daniel Farkas, the founder of Drops, just a couple of weeks ago, and here he is once again explaining what the company is doing. Yeah, so Drops is basically a mobile app that teaches vocabulary, plain and simple. And this is actually uh, our secret sauce that we are uh, solely focused on vocabulary, not trying to tackle grammar uh, or the whole aspect of, of the language learning spectrum. Yeah, this company is um, kind of a special one, or I would say an odd egg. We are not really playing according to the Silicon Valley playbook. We are walking according to our own drums. So we are, first of all, we are a fully remote company. We are at 22 uh, people headcount. And yeah, we have uh, drops as a project hasn't received any outside funding. So this is basically a bootstrap project and uh, we've been profitable from day one. And yeah, we are trying to be the ultimate vocabulary learning tool for the world. So Drops has gamified the process of vocabulary learning. In their apps, there's a choice of 15 minigames that you can play and learn new words along the way. The startup was founded in 2012 and never attracted external funding. Now it has 25 million users and plans to reach 30 million before this year ends. Kahoot, on the other hand, has recently landed a big funding round of 215 million US dollars from SoftBank, which we also talked about, so let's revisit that one as well. Norwegian ad tech company Kahoot, uh, that's the one spelled with an exclamation mark at the end, but I'm not going to pronounce it every time. So the company has raised 215 million US dollars from SoftBank. The company is traded publicly on the Merkur market in Oslo, so the investment was structured as a private placement to a subsidiary of SoftBank Group Corp through issuance of 43 million new shares, the report says. The market cap of Kahoot at the time I'm writing this was about 2. 2 billion euros. Uh, now note also that this time the money is not coming from the famous or infamous, depending on whom you ask, Vision Fund, but SoftBank Group itself, as TechCrunch reports. In case you're not familiar with Kahoot, uh, the whole company is centered around the quiz engine. Anyone can create a quiz for free on this platform and share it with as many players as they want. It's a simple yet very, very powerful idea here. Uh, Kahoot has now tailored offerings also for enterprises, schools and much more, but it's also being used all over the place for all sorts of uh, simple or not so simple quizzes. It's a really nice way to learn and test knowledge, and it seems like the lockdowns have brought even more users for the company. Over the past 12 months, Kahoot says it has recorded 1.3 billion participating players with 200 million games played and 100 million user-generated Kahoots. So, good news all around. Uh, Kahoot says it will now add drops to its platform and also will launch new language learning collections for Kahoot itself, presumably based on drops work and data. 
Another acquisition story of this week, Berlin-born HelloFresh is taking over the American firm Factor 75. The deal is worth a total of 277 million US dollars, of which 177 million is payable upon the closing of the transaction, and up to 100 million is structured as performance-based earn-out, which is the same as with Kahoot's acquisition of Drops. Factor itself is not a direct competitor of HelloFresh, but rather a complementary product for its platform. Founded in Chicago back in 2013, it delivers fully prepared meals rather than DIY meal kits, and these meals, including breakfast, lunches, and dinners, need to only be heated up in a microwave or oven. Users can plan these meals online according to popular diets like keto or paleo or vegetarian or whatever else, and other health factors. The company's full-year revenue for 2020 is expected to reach around 100 million US dollars. In this week's major funding rounds, Atai Life Sciences has landed 125 million US dollars from investors, including Peter Thiel. The company works on mental health treatments that involve psychedelics, including ketamine, MDMA, and psilocybin, which is the ingredient found in magic mushrooms. Per a report by Sifted, Atai owns 10 companies which are each working on a different compound to help treat mental health issues. The one closest to bringing something to market, which is called Compass Pathways, is actually working on psilocybin. And as a next step, Atai is reportedly planning to go public next spring at an expected valuation of from 1 to 2 billion US dollars. Now let us add a bit of tech policy news in today's mix. France has begun demanding millions of euros from US tech giants, that is, the digital services tax for the year 2020. Per a report in the Financial Times, Facebook and Amazon have already received communications from French authorities. This news means that France has got tired of waiting. Its conversation with the US about this tax has been going on since last year at least, and in January this year the parties agreed that France would put the tax on hold and wait for the new taxation framework to be developed by the OECD. However, in June, the US suspended its talks with the OECD countries altogether, and as for now, the earliest day that we could see any sort of solution to come from that direction is middle of next year. France, in its turn, says it would be happy to implement the international framework whenever it's ready, but for now it wants to collect its dues. A French official said in a conversation with the FT, I quote, We can't wait any longer and the tech companies are the big winners of the pandemic. Their turnover is soaring and they have not been paying fair taxes even before the pandemic. The quote ends. And a small thing to add to the topic of policy. More and more big tech companies seem to be looking for European lobbyists. So I saw today this great Twitter thread by Mark Scott, who has been collecting tech policy-related job openings in the big tech companies for the past few months, and you can certainly see a pattern. The latest interesting job ad is that by Reddit, which is looking for a European policy manager in Brussels. The successful candidate would, I quote, engage with EU and member state elected 
officials, explaining Reddit's community-first governance model and educating them about the company and our users. The quote ends. Another company with a similar opening is Spotify, which recently looked for an EU government affairs manager, also in Brussels. To quote the ad, the manager will be driving Spotify's policy agenda in Europe and interact with EU and national policymakers on issues that impact Spotify's business. The quote ends. And yet another job ad spotted by Mark Scott comes from Cisco, which was recently looking for a government affairs manager, this time in Stockholm. The job description includes includes, uh, I quote, leading and supporting Cisco's engagement with key government leaders and policymakers in the North region, and developing key relationships between officials and policymakers and Cisco executives. The quote ends. So there seems to be a new emerging career path in European tech. So think about it, maybe it's something for you. Now, let's move on to today's interview. You may remember the news story from last week about the company called Seller X uh, raising 100 million euros. Uh, here is a quick reminder of what it was about. Another week, another funding round for an Amazon-based business aggregator. Berlin-based Seller X has landed 100 million euros in a round led by Cherry Ventures, Felix Capital, and Silicon Valley-based Triple Point Capital, with participation from Village Global. Seller X snaps up fulfillment by Amazon shops, consolidates them, and turns them out with new branding and growth strategies. Last week, we saw two deals involving very similar businesses, uh, one UK-based Heroes secured 65 million US dollars, and then another Berlin based company, Razor Group, landed 25 million euros. So since recording that, I really wanted to better understand what Amazon businesses are actually like and what it takes to grow one. Today I got a chance to talk to someone with inside knowledge of the industry, and it was Yanis Bors, uh, the co founder of Fast Brands based in Latvia. Uh, my name is Yanis. And uh, I'm a co-founder of a company called uh, Fastbrands, fastbrands.eu. And uh, we are helping uh, European brands to sell their products on Amazon, both on European marketplace and also the States, and also experimenting with Japan and other marketplaces. So kind of all-in-one uh, Amazon consulting services. Right. And for a retailer, why would they want to sell stuff on Amazon and not on other platforms or a shop of uh, their own? Most of our clients are actually using Amazon uh, in addition to their existing channels, such as uh, Etsy or their own shop. But what we have noticed uh, is that clients actually are quite unique for each platform. They rarely overlap in a sense. So it's one of the most popular concerns for clients that if they will add their products to Amazon, they will steal something away from their own platforms, but uh, it's actually not the case because people are different. Some people are used to shopping on Amazon, especially it's very popular in the States. And we have seen the total sales grow when they join Amazon. So it's just another platform where you can find new customers which you haven't reached before. Right. Okay, so, uh, Yanis, I wanted to talk to you today just because I really want to try and unpack uh, this uh, business model and uh, uh, the business itself of uh, these companies uh, like uh, Seller X and uh, Heroes that buy uh, fulfilled by Amazon businesses and then sort of consolidate them and grow them themselves. So how does it all work and what does it take to grow a business like this, like a fulfilled by Amazon business? In this case, those companies are buying... Uh other brands which are selling purely on Amazon, 
they do product research, they find their specific product, which they will sell on Amazon. And then it can kind of be divided in two parts. First is uh, adding product, growing it, getting first reviews, finding the best keywords, because there are tons of keywords which are being searched for on Amazon and uh, lots of competition. So you have to find which will be kind of your niche. And that's kind of the first part. And then the second part is when you have prepared your listing, have gotten the first reviews, have gotten your first sales, then it's the next stage, how to grow faster. And that's where those companies also come in with their expertise, because it's one thing to get started on Amazon, and it usually takes a few months in some cases. And it's a totally different thing to actually start investing heavily in advertisement campaigns, for example, or planning your whole holiday discount uh, schedule and everything. So that's a whole new set of uh, set of knowledge you must have to do that. And that's where those companies actually come in because sellers usually sell, sell their own products and they don't have any experience from those big players, let's say. They know how to get the product on Amazon, how to get the first reviews, how to grow to a certain level, but that's about it. They don't have a knowledge how the ranking works specifically for that specific category. And those players who have big experience with uh, many brands and in many categories, they can kind of join in and uh, quick start the whole growth process. Right. I sort of feel that there is, there is like it's a whole industry in and of itself, uh, like selling on Amazon. So can you just, I don't know, walk me through somehow, what, what is it like? How big is it? Uh, how does it work? Oh, well, there are many different types of businesses you can have. One type is... Uh, which is those companies uh, which are buying other FBA pr products. It's kind of a new category which has grown on top of the existing business, uh, which has been popular for around two or three years. So basically you find the product niche where there's some potential. You find the manufacturer of the products in China or in the States or in Europe or your neighbor. And then you kind of make this product and push it into Amazon. So that's kind of one big big uh, piece of the industry. So entrepreneurs who find and create their own products and sell them on Amazon. And the next thing is these uh, heroes and seller X, which are buying these products and adding their own knowledge to grow them to new level. That's kind of one pillar of that uh, thing. Then there's another business type, which is kind of ag agency consulting, which is also the industry where I'm, I'm more of a, Activa, which is uh, helping uh, existing products to manage their advertisement cam campaigns, or maybe they have some products uh, with uh, with problems or bad reviews or not to, not too optimized product uh, descriptions and everything. And that's where me and other companies, which are helping as agencies, join in the this grand scheme. And then there are companies which are also just uh, offering, for example, Amazon uh, FBA preparing services. So they're not actually selling anything. They're just receiving your products, adding uh, labels, sending them to the warehouse and managing returns and everything. So there's a, there's a big ecosystem underneath there with many different businesses which are operating uh, on their own. And in some cases, they kind of uh, clash together. Some services are overlapping. Uh, but in some cases, there can be good there can be good uh, synergies made. For example, 
I recently got in touch with a company which is focusing only on Amazon product photo services. So what they do is they only make uh, product photos and uh, nice infographs for your product so you can improve your listing. And they have grown very big only providing that one simple photo photography service. So yeah, because Amazon is so big of itself, there's a place for many different uh, industry players. Right. And just out of my own curiosity, how different are these uh, different regional Amazon marketplaces, like the German one, uh, the Dutch one, uh, the American one? Well, for sellers, the main difference uh, is kind of uh, technical in a sense. Uh, there's a big difference in uh, tax systems. Like uh, in Europe, you have a value-added tax. So if you want to store your goods in German warehouse, you have to be registered in Germany. However, in the States, you don't really have this system. You have sales tax and different systems. So you have to take each marketplace separately and you have to find a consultant who will help you understand what uh, obligations you have because it will also affect your pricing strategy. And uh, in the States, for example, if a customer purchases the product, the sales tax is calculated on top of the price. However, in Europe, the VAT uh, value-added tax is calculated in the price. So after you sell the product, you have to pay the VAT and it significantly decreases your profit. So you have to calculate that one in. Also, another difference is that in the States, you have, which is the biggest Amazon marketplace, uh, you have many warehouses which are connected with each other. So you can send your products to one warehouse and Amazon will kind of distribute them among other states. However, in Europe, you you have warehouses for each specific country. Amazon offers services where you can send uh, products to one country and they will distribute it to the others, but then comes the VAT legislations and everything. So in a sense, the marketplace on the client end is the same, but for the sellers, each marketplace is like a whole different, uh, different industry, like where you have to do your research, check out everything about uh, taxes and how, what customers are buying and also the product catalog is very different between those marketplaces so you can find uh, one type of products in the states but there might not be these products in germany or in the uk because they are not synchronized in any way so right. there's uh there are many differences in that sense maybe also in the states for your product there might be too big competition and the price would be too small for you to join in but mm -hmm. it could turn out that in Italy, for example, nobody's selling this type of product and you have free market and you can sell for whatever price you want. So many marketplaces uh, which are not kind of synchronized together. So there's opportunity for any product to find its perfect audience. And what do you think from your own perspective uh, with this consolidation uh, happening on the market with this businesses like Seller X and Heroes uh, buying these smaller merchants? Do you think that these consolidated merchants are threatening the smaller uh, sellers like the ones you were working with? Yes, definitely, because they have they probably have a much higher, like larger resources for advertisement. They can buy product which is selling only in the States and then expand it to Europe because they have knowledge how to do that. They have network, they have already all the tax VAT registrations done. So for them, it takes just one or two weeks to get the product in Europe. And 
for example, my clients are focusing on European marketplaces. So when a new player from the States comes in, that's definitely causing some kind of some trouble for some sellers, let's say, because the market share is kind of fixed. So every new seller which is bringing in a qualitative product is taking something away. So definitely those those companies, they buy one FBA business and they I can guarantee that they are definitely expanding them to all marketplaces where they have contacts at. So that's one of the ways how they can grow it like immediately after buying the, the business. So basically like fragmentation of uh, European Amazon marketplaces is working for uh, these uh, these companies. Yes, definitely, definitely. Because also before they buy the seller, he might be happy with the results in the States or maybe in the UK. And then uh, the consolidator buys up the company and they can, first of all, they can probably decrease the manufacturing price and the sales price because they have like bigger demand and they can expand to all marketplaces immediately because also I said it's not synchronized. You can actually kind of push the products in other marketplaces if you have all the VAT registration done and everything. So for them, it's really almost like a one click away from getting that product in front of all marketplace uh, customers. So yeah, they're definitely first thing they are doing, they buy the business and they expand it to Europe and all, all the countries. Right. And uh, again, out of curiosity, so what happens uh, when this, mer so this merchant sells their uh, business to uh, one of these Seller X uh, Heroes company? What happens to the merchants afterwards? Uh, do they still uh, keep, like, uh, keep working as a supplier for this uh, consolidated company or are they just out of the game altogether? In most cases, I assume they work as a supplier because they have made the connections with the manufacturer. And I think uh, Seller X or Heroes are interested in keeping the person kind of in touch in case something goes wrong with the uh, manufacturing. Because the, the seller of the business has gone through everything, through sampling, through improving the product, so he knows everything about the product, which those consolidators kind of don't know yet. So the person is very useful. But of course, on Amazon, you can't just transfer your product. Uh, you can't just transfer your, your business. It has to be bought. And it's actually quite lengthy process from Amazon side. So they have to inform Amazon that they are selling their business. And then there's like two or four weeks long process of Amazon doing some checks and everything that the seller is legit. And then they kind of overtake the whole process and all the products and everything on Amazon page stays the same. Nothing changes. Like the branding, packaging, description, even search ranking for products or reviews doesn't change. They stay the same. So the new company gets access to start right away from where they left. They don't have to do anything additionally. So they just kind of overtake the ownership of the whole product and everything. And uh, yeah, the, the other seller probably has to sign a contract that they won't join in on the same industry or do, do anything that could uh, sabotage the, the, the deal. Right. Yanis, thank you so much for answering my questions. Thanks a lot for joining us on such a short notice and uh, good luck uh, with uh, Fast Brands. Thank you for inviting me. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you enjoyed it today. Please help us spread the word. And for that, tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. 
Audio engineering for this podcast is done by soundpulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at tech.eu. I will talk to you again next week. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend and take care. Bye-bye.